Hello everyone, this is Krista from Saltwater Studies and welcome to my podcast. Today's podcast is part of a series that I am doing that highlights the lessons in the Florida's Marine Life class series. So each one of these podcasts is just me reading the lessons from that series that focus on the different marine life we see here in Florida. And this is just intended to be a supplemental resource for my students, especially those who prefer to learn using auditory resources. And so that being said, I will go ahead and start with today's lessons. Today's lesson, we are talking about jellies, which is something really, really cool. Um, these animals are pretty well misunderstood, I think. Um, a lot of people don't really know what a jelly is or um, how to interact with one. And so I think that this is a, a really fun lesson. So let's go ahead and get started. What is a jelly? The term jelly or jellyfish can be a bit confusing as many people use it to describe a wide variety of jelly animals that are spotted in coastal waters. While many beachgoers identify all jelly-looking creatures as jellyfish, there are several different types of jellies, each having distinctive characteristics. Four types that are commonly referred to as jellyfish are the true jellies, the box jellies, the hydrozoans, and the comb jellies. In addition, using the word jellyfish to describe a jelly-like creature is a misnomer since jellies are not actually fish. Most jelly creatures have limited swimming ability and are considered a type of plankton as they mainly rely on currents to transport them around the ocean. True jellies, box jellies, and hydrozoans are all classified in phylum cnidaria, a group of animals that also includes corals, hydrozoans, and sea anemones. While these animals may look physically different, all of them have one main factor in common, stinging cells. All cnidarians have stinging cells called nematocysts in their tentacles which are used to immobilize prey and for defense. Other jelly creatures called comb jellies can also be confused with true jellies. Unlike true jellies, box jellies or hydrozoans, comb jellies are included in phylum tenophora because they do not have stinging cells and are harmless. Jelly or jellyfish. For the scientists, the correct term for a jellyfish is a jelly. This is because jellies are not scientifically fish. Fish are vertebrate animals that have a skeleton, gills, and fins. A jelly is an invertebrate animal without bones. Instead, its body is made of a gelatinous substance and is comprised mostly of water. Since they are distinctly different animals, they disturb distinctly different names. Your vocabulary word for this portion of the lesson is plankton living organisms, either plant or animal, that float in the water column and often drift with the ocean's currents. Main, many species are microscopic. And also, nematocyst, a jelly's stinging cell. The taxonomy of a jelly. Jellies are classified under Kingdom Animalia, where we have Phylum Cnidaria, the Cnidarians, as well as Phylum Tenophora, the Tenophrans, which includes the comb jellies and sea walnuts. All Cnidarians have stinging cells, where comb jellies and sea walnuts, the, the Tenophrans, do not. They are safe to gently touch because they do not have stinging cells. 
Phylum Cnidaria, the Cnidarians, is divided into four different classes. Class Anthozoa, the true corals and anemones. Class Cubozoa, the box jellies. Class Hydrozoa, the hydroids and fire corals. And class Scyphozoa, true jellies. True jellies. True jellies are animals that are included in the class Scyphozoa. They have a distinctive umbrella-shaped body, often with long trailing tentacles. There are approximately 200 different species of true jellies, ranging in size from just 0.4 inches to 8 feet in diameter. The bell-shaped body of a true jelly is called a medusa. Between the inner and outer wall of the body is a substance called mesoglea. Mesoglea is a tissue that feels like gelatin and functions as the jelly's internal skeleton. A jelly's bell may also be accompanied by two sets of tentacles, peripheral tentacles and oral arms. Peripheral tentacles are fine hair-like tentacles that surround the edge of the bell and do not include stinging cells. Hanging from the center of the medusa are larger tentacles that surround the jelly's mouth. Called oral arms, these tentacles are lined with stinging cells and can be dangerous to touch. The oral arms are used to grasp and immobilize prey and then direct it to the jelly's mouth. The vocabulary word for this portion of the lesson is mesoglea. The gelatinous tissue located between the inner and outer wall of a jelly's bell functions as a skeleton providing structure and support. Gonads are a jelly's reproductive organs. They are the four horseshoe-shaped structures visible in the center of the jelly's bell. Peripheral tentacles. They are tentacles that line the margin of the animal's bell, do not contain nematocysts. Medusa, the belly-shaped body <laughs> the bell-shaped body of a jelly. <laughs> Oral arms, tentacles that include nematocysts and are used for capturing prey. Interesting facts. The largest species of true jelly is the lion's mane jelly. It lives in the northern Pacific and Arctic Oceans and can have a bell that grows up to eight feet in diameter with tentacles up to 190 feet long. Sometimes juvenile fish called fish fry hide in the bell of a jelly in between the tentacles as a way of protecting themselves from predators. The fish fry are so small they can carefully avoid the jelly's tentacles. True jellies use a method called jet propulsion where they expand and contract its bell-shaped body, forcing water out of the body and pushing the animal in the opposite direction. Local species. Two common species of true jelly seen in South Florida are the moon jelly and the upside down jelly. The moon jelly is normally translucent to pink in color and can grow up to 15 inches in diameter. They are most often seen during jelly season, generally occurring each year from the end of August through September. They are found offshore and in calm water areas such as the intercoastal waterway. Their sting causes a pins and needles sensation and normally dissipates after about 20 to 30 minutes. Upside down jellies are often found resting upside down on the seafloor of mangrove areas. 
Their white, lacy appearance makes them well camouflaged and hard to spot. These jellies easily break apart when disturbed. New research has revealed that just proximity to these jellies can cause a painful sting. This is because upside-down jellies are capable of producing mucus infused with stinging cells. Coming into contact with the jelly's mucus can be just as painful as touching the jelly itself. Notice the blue in the jelly's tentacles? This coloration is caused by symbiotic algae that live in the jelly's tissues. The upside-down jelly orients itself with its tentacles facing upwards to allow the algae access to sunlight, which the algae use to create energy through photosynthesis and shares with the jelly. Box jellies. Another type of jelly are the box jellies. Scientists estimate that there are about 50 different species of box jellies, all of whom are included in the class Cubozoa. While box jellies are jelly animals and might appear like true jellies, they are very different creatures. Box jellies earn their name due to their cube-shaped bell, which is reminiscent of a box. The bell of the box jelly can be up to 10 inches in diameter and have tentacles that are up to 10 feet long. Unlike true jellies that are especially weak swimmers, box jellies have more muscular bodies and are capable of active swimming. They also have numerous well-developed eyes that are located on their bell. These two characteristics have led scientists to believe that they are active hunters that pursue their prey, mainly shrimp and small fish. They may have either one tentacle or a cluster of tentacles located at each corner of the bell. What really sets the box jellies apart from the true jellies is that the box jellies are the most dangerous jellies in the ocean. Some species have a sting that can be lethal to humans. Some sources say that they are the most venomous animal in the world. Box jellies can be found in the waters near northern Australia and in the Indo-Pacific region. The threat posed by some box jellies is so serious that beaches in this area discourage swimming during summer months when box jellies are most likely to be present. Fact. Each of the box jelly's tentacles has approximately 5,000 nematocysts. Hydrozoans. Hydrozoans are another type of jelly animal. These jellies are all included in class Hydrozoa and are the most variable of all the jelly species. Hydrozoans have the greatest diversity in shape, size, and appearance of all the jelly types. This is because Hydrozoans are not a single animal. Instead, they are a colony of animals, many of which are tiny and best examined under a microscope. There are about 2,700 different species of hydrozoans, but not all of these are free-floating animals. Many are branched colonies that live on the seafloor and are easily mistaken for seaweed or coral. For example, the species known as fire coral is actually a hydrozoan colony rather than a true coral species. Fact. The Portuguese man-o'-war is a type of hydrozoan colony that can have tentacles over 160 feet long. Local species. There are three common species of hydrozoan seen in South Florida. Portuguese man-o'-war, blue button, and by-the-wind sailor. All three species are not individual animals, but are instead floating colonies. These colonies are commonly seen during the winter and early spring months from January to March each year. 
The Portuguese man of war is a colony of four different types of animals. One type of hydroid called pneumatophores comprises the float. Another type called dactylozoids make up the tentacles and two more types, gastrozoids and gonozoids make up the internal organs. Unlike a true jelly that has a solid jelly-filled medusa, the Portuguese man-of-war has a gas-filled float that helps it to remain on the water surface. These colonies also have impressively long tentacles that can grow to be up to 165 feet in length. If you see a Portuguese man-of-war on the shore, beware of the tentacles. They can continue to offer a nasty sting long after they have been beached. The sting of a Portuguese man-o'-war is also different from a true jelly as it causes an intense burning sensation. Two other types of hydrozoan colonies that can also be seen in South Florida are the blue button and the by-the-wind sailor. The anatomy of a sting. Nematocysts, microscopic stinging cells employed by cnidarian jellies to immobilize prey, are rather remarkable structures. Each stinging cell is shaped like a cup. In the center of the cup is a long thread-like filament that can be discharged into the jelly's prey or victim. This barbed filament penetrates the skin of the prey animal and injects a potentially powerful toxin. On the edge of the stinging cell is one or two spines that act like triggers. When these spines come into contact with skin, they will cause the stinging cell to fire. Once a nematocyst discharges its thread, it cannot be used again, so it is shed and then replaced. True jellies and hydrozoans all have the capability to sting, but not all are harmful to humans as some have stinging cells that are too small to penetrate human skin. While all box jellies can produce a sting, only a few species are potentially lethal to humans. Poison versus venom. While many people use the words poison and venom interchangeably, they refer to two very different things. The difference between venom and poison is the method of delivery. A venomous animal injects a toxin into the victim through penetration, i.e. biting, sting, etc. A jelly is an example of a venomous animal. Poison must be ingested in order to affect the victim. Examples of poisonous animals are the pufferfish that has toxic internal organs and toads that release toxin from their skin. Neither of these animals is harmful unless they are eaten or licked, respectively. Fact. A single jelly can have hundreds of thousands of stinging cells. Each stinging cell can only be used once. Once it has been discharged, the stinging cell is shed and replaced. Comb jellies. Comb jellies are unique creatures that are often confused with their more dangerous cousins, true jellies. There are over 200 different species of comb jellies, also called tenophorans. Their transparent bodies make them difficult to spot floating through the water column, and only the most diligent observer will see species such as a sea walnut. Their blob-like oblong bodies are small, normally only a few inches long. Eight rows of fused cilia, called combs, are arranged lengthwise along the body. As these cilia move, they can scatter light in different directions, producing a rainbow effect that makes the comb jelly appear to glow. Comb jellies can be found in all areas of the world, from the tropics to the poles in shallow water to the deepest ocean depths. 
Although they are harmless to humans, comb jellies are aggressive predators, consuming a variety of zooplankton, including even other comb jellies. Your vocabulary word for this section of the lesson is cilia, a short, often microscopic hair-like structure moved back and forth in a beating motion to provide movement for the comb jelly. Local species. There are two species of comb jellies seen in Florida, including the sea walnut and the spot-winged comb jelly. Safety first. How do I protect myself from being stung by a jelly? When handling or interacting with jellies, it is important to remember that a jelly stinging cells will fire if they come into contact with your skin. Since the jelly stinging cells are located on the animal's tentacles, jellies can be safely handled if you only touch the bell of the animal. When swimming in water where there may be jellies, you can protect yourself from being stung by wearing a tight-fitting sun shirt, rash guard, or dive skin. Do not wear baggy shorts or a t-shirt when swimming in the water with jellies, as a jelly tentacle may drift into the gap between your clothing and your skin, becoming trapped and causing an even more painful situation. How do I treat a jelly sting? True jellies. If you are stung by a true jelly, rinse the affected area with fresh water and then apply vinegar liberally to the area. Hydrozoans. If you are stung by a hydrozoan jelly, carefully remove tentacles with covered fingers or with a piece of thin, flat plastic like a credit card. Do not rub the affected area or try to brush the tentacles off your body as this will cause more nematocysts to fire and make the sting even worse. Rinse the area with fresh water. Warm water is preferred as heat causes the toxin to break down more quickly. Apply vinegar liberally to the area. Every person reacts differently to jelly venom, so watch carefully for any symptoms indicating an allergic reaction. An allergic reaction may be indicated by flu-like symptoms such as nausea, fever, sweating, and or hot cold spells, or by shortness of breath and respiratory distress. If a victim displays any of these symptoms, seek emergency medical attention immediately. Test your knowledge. How much did you learn about jellies from this lesson? Test your knowledge with these questions. One, why do scientists use the word jelly and not jellyfish? Two, what is the name for a jelly stinging cell? Three, how does a stinging cell work? Four, are jellies poisonous or venomous? Five, what is the bell of a true jelly called? Six, how are box jellies different from true jellies? Seven, how are hydrozoans different from true jellies? Eight, what are comb jellies? Nine, what is one way to protect yourself from being stung by a jelly? Ten, how should you treat a jelly sting? Devotional. 
For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Romans 1.20 There are over 900 different names and titles of God in the Bible. Each one describes a different aspect of his character that he would like for us to know about him. To help us better understand what he is like, God provided his creation to offer us physical examples of the spiritual lessons and concepts we read about in the Bible. The Bible tells us God's story, and creation offers us the pictures to accompany it. Every single name and title of God in the Bible is illustrated in the natural environment. So what can jellies tell us about the nature and character of God? A jelly is a relatively weak animal. They are weak swimmers and their soft gelatinous bodies can fall victim to the ocean's rough waves, breaking apart at the ocean surface. Even capturing prey is tricky, as a struggling victim may cause irreparable harm to the jelly's body. Yet as we view creation, we can see that God did not leave any animal defenseless. He provided every animal with a way to defend itself, no matter how weak it seems. Consider God's perfect design in providing jellies with stinging cells. Stinging cells provide a jelly with a way to quickly immobilize its prey or defend itself before it can be injured or irreparably harmed. What a wonderful example of God's character as a defender. Listen to what the Lord says about his relationship with us in the Bible. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Isaiah 49:16 Before the days of computers, smartphones, and Apple watches, reminders were kept in the form of hastily jotted notes posted in visible areas around the house, car, or workplace. In the absence of available paper, one might even make a quick note on his or her hand. This is the image that comes to mind when we read the first part of Isaiah 49:16. God is intentional about remembering his children, and to demonstrate this truth, he has written each of our names on the palms of his hands. But his care and intention do not end with his thoughts. His act of remembrance also drives him to action. During biblical times, a city's first line of defense were its walls. The account of the fall of Jericho in the book of Joshua documents that a city's walls were quite formidable. More than just a few inches or even a few feet deep, the walls were so thick that people built their homes inside them. When a city was threatened by an adversary, the residents from the nearby area would rush into the city for safety and the gates would be closed to keep the enemy at bay. The strong walls made the city their refuge in times of trouble. In the second half of Isaiah 49:16, God says, Your walls are continually before me. In this statement, God is saying that just like the walls of a city, God is our defender. He is always concerned with our protection and safety. But unlike walls that might be destroyed or decay over time, God's protection never fails. Apply it. The next time that you are afraid, take a moment to remind yourself that God is always with you and he is always concerned with your safety. How does believing this truth help you overcome your fear? Dear God, thank you that you are my father and I can trust what you say is true. Thank you for always being with me. Thank you for always helping me and always protecting me. Please help me not to be afraid. 
In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed this lesson on jellies. Until next time, this is Krista from Saltwater Studies signing off and wishing you an excellent week.